Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media we like, like a video game, movie, book, or podcast musical. My name's Tim Bloom. I'm Cody Morin. And I'm Cozy Hanula. Um, Cody, a few episodes back, you expressed a, I would say, controversial belief that handheld gaming is superior to... Yes other gaming correct i have a key question for you uh, remind me why what was the idea just because it's portable or what 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 is it about handheld gaming that you think makes it better i mean i think the portability for me is one of the biggest things that i'm like not tied down to playing it in a single place but also i prefer controller gaming where possible sure and so having that just like built into a small device that i can hold and take with me mm-hmm. is great whereas like a laptop a gaming laptop is great i have one i play games on it a lot because they run better on there than they do on a handheld but like if i want to bring it somewhere to play a game i have to bring the laptop and i have to bring the power brick that goes with it and if i want to play with a controller i need to bring that with two mm-hmm. and you know, whereas if I have like my switch, that's all I need. And I bring it with and it plays just fine. Yeah. So as our mobile gaming connoisseur on the podcast, I need to ask, have you ever been playing like a switch or a Game Boy or a DS on the go and been like, this would be better if it had a crank attached? <laughs> uh you know that has that's never been my first thought, uh, unless it's been like playing I don't know Sonic Adventure when you're playing the uh, the fishing game when sure. in there as Big the Cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> of course, I'm of course <laughs> referencing the play date, the most unfortunately named new gaming peripheral. <laughs> it is like a handheld uh, like the size of the palm of your hand like a teeny tiny like credit card sized portable gaming device with a crank for some reason and you may be asking dear listener does the crank power the play date and the answer is no it's just a gimmick on the side to like let you play games i don't understand this what Um, is this (laughs) so and it if you're listening, you should look up. Just Google the play we'll date. Link, we'll um, link the play it's date like in a, the notes. Of it's a good yeah. yellow of like the yellow colors they could have picked. It's like a it's a nice yellow color, and it looks it's kind of like if you took the Game Boy and took it into 2022. This is what it would look like, and then they added a crank to the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the design is okay with me. It's very minimalistic. It's got two buttons. Well, it's got an A and a B button. A four sort of analog D-pad. It's got a power button and like a, I don't know, as like a menu button and a power button. All of that is good. And then it also has a crank. And I just <laughs> don't. It also like, so it comes with 24 games that ostensibly are designed to use the crank mechanic. It's just a way to like introduce a new controller mechanic to a, a handheld, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. There, it comes with 24 free games. I think they're supposedly like adding more over time, but I'm how how expensive is the play date, Tim? 
It is $180 plus yep. shipping and etc. And that includes all the games in that like initial run as well. That Yeah. There's yeah. like I think there's some big name indie developers who were like signed on to create games for it. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but well, so the play date is made by uh, Panic, which is the company that made Untitled Goose Game, which Kyle infamously attempted to pitch me in our first episode of Hard Cell, <laughs> um, which is a good game and it is interesting. But I just don't. So I'm assuming you pre-ordered this, Cody. I I didn't actually. <laughs> I looked. I if if pre-orders had opened when it first was announced, yeah, um, I probably would have. But then. Uh, by the time pre-orders had opened up, I had already tried and failed at pre-ordering another uh, retro console um, that is like a remake of the Game Boy, uh. Uh, which was called the the Analog Pocket, or Analog's the company, and they released like, something called the Pocket, uh, yeah. which is basically just like a super high-quality Game Boy. Um, and then the Steam Deck pre-orders opened, and it was like, well... I'm not going to get the pocket because I missed the window for pre-ordering it and I want to get the steam deck and I'm already spending a bunch on that. So I can't really justify buying the weird crank game handheld thing and a steam deck. Also like $179 is not cheap for what this is. Like it's got 24 like pixel style games on it. The, I think they do have like a you can make games from a web browser with this like for the play yeah. date. So that's kind of a cool feature. Mm-hmm. It's not worth $179 to me though. Yeah. I think I think part of what you're paying for also is the the hardware itself. Um they partnered with a company called Teenage Engineering. Um who are known for making like very high quality, like interesting hardware. So most notably they have something called the OP one, which is like an all in one portable synthesizer. Um, that is very cool. Uh, but it's like $1,300. God, if you, if you want to see one of those in action, there's someone on YouTube. They have a channel that's red means recording where he'll do like a 30 minute video of him just like making a whole song. Um, yeah, on just strictly on the OP one, and it's very cool what you can do with it. But yeah, their hardware, their hardware already typically is very expensive. Yeah, I mean, the aesthetic of the thing is on point. Like I'm on board for this like <laughs> retro aesthetic. The like little dock thing looking like an old timey TV is good. Like I, it's really tapping into that retro game, like. Um, nostalgia in a great way, but it looks modern, so, like, I'm here for that, for sure. Well, and the games themselves, like, do actually look pretty good, I think, like, yeah, in terms of the quality and stuff, but they look good in the same way that, like, a lot of games on itch.io look good, <laughs> and I can get them right. for $2, and they don't require me to use a crank in public. Like... <laughs> It's don't not good to like be. I don't want to be on the Bart just like cranking away, <laughs> playing Stop, one of these you games. Can't. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Um, it, tell me what part I said is wrong. I, anyway, the uh, I also 
I think too, like I could see myself playing each game like one time. Like I'm uh-huh. trying to see the replay value in this like console because like I'm not buying yeah. a console to play a couple games like a one time. Like yeah, like yeah. you mentioned, Tim. That's why I'm on like I'm buying like a bundle on itch, um, of games. That's like what I want from that experience. But that doesn't usually cost a hundred and seventy nine dollars. Yeah. Yeah, like, I have a, so I have another little weird, like, one-off game console like this called the Ardu Boy, um, that was only, like, 50 bucks, um, but it's all, it's super tiny, like, credit card-sized console, um, but all the games on there, they're, like, cool little concepts, but they're all games that I'll play, like, one time, and then I'll put the thing down once I've played all the games I want to play for, like, a year. And see, I'll go look and see if they made anything new. Right. And like 50 bucks is the right amount. Like, yeah. yeah. If this cost 50 bucks, I would think about, like, I probably wouldn't buy it because I'm just not the person for this. But like, I would get why some people would want to. Well, I get why some people would want this, but like $180? $180 for like Flash games with a crank like i know it's a nice yellow but like come on it's like pokemon yellow yellow roughly yeah that's true that's a good pull um i i think too like it's out like there are things that if if this costs like 50 dollars i would consider getting it for you as a like birthday (laughs) gift because you would get a kick out of it like you'd get a kick out of trying it and like seeing it and stuff and like it's like kind of the perfect like price range for like a gift like that 179 too expensive for like a gift you're gonna get a kick out of for a couple like tries of it you know yeah well and you think like you know this is 180 dollars the other console i talked about before the analog pocket is 220 so it's 40 dollars more but it is like the perfect modern recreation of a Game Boy, like, as good as you can get, that emulates, like, all Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games. It can emulate, like, other, like, with adapters, uh, like Game Gear, Atari Lynx, Neo Geo Pocket, like, all those different things. I'd way rather have that for a very similar price than... Yeah, no kidding. ...the Playdate. Yeah. Well, that was all for the intro, really. I don't, I don't have a point. I'm just sort of, like, baffled by... It's... Yeah, it's something. Why do you think they named it the play date? You know? Who knows? I guess I'm the marketing person, but I can't tell you. I can't imagine why this exists in this way. I think they had... They knew they wanted play in there, and they needed something... Um, they just like looked up like phrases with play in it, and this was maybe right, like playmate is taken fifth or <laughs> so on the great. list, and they were like, uh, "This will work. This is fine." Yeah, it's the least problematic of them. But they added a yeah. You can't you can't have something called the Playboy that also has a crank attached to it. Probably. <laughs> no, you really can't. <laughs> so that's fair. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I've been vamping for a while, trying to think of a transition or trying to bait you both into saying something that could be transitionable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, in my in my eyes, the play date is dead on arrival. Thank How's that? you. Did I that was good that was fantastic. Um, <laughs> speaking of arrival, um, amazing. Uh, <laughs> Dead Eyes is what I pitched last week. Um, Cody, how much of Dead Eyes did you wind up listening to? 
almost all of the first season. Nice. I think I had two episodes that I didn't get to. Cool. Um, yeah, the the past couple weeks for me have been a little bit hectic, and I've been <laughs> out of town a lot, so I didn't have quite enough time to finish it. But like you had talked about, I don't think I needed to listen to the full season to get to no. get enough to talk about it. Um, but yeah, for those who don't recall, uh, Dead Eyes is a podcast created by Connor Ratliff that set out to answer really a single question, which was why did Tom Hanks fire Connor from a small role in the 2001 HBO miniseries Band of Brothers? Uh, the answer that Connor was given was that Tom Hanks had seen his audition tape and said that he had dead eyes, whatever that means, still unclear, based mm-hmm. on listening to the podcast. Uh, and Connor then went back, re-auditioned, this time for Tom Hanks himself, instead of just, like, the casting directors, mm-hmm. um, and was left to wait outside until the casting director came and told him that he was let go and someone else would be playing the role uh, after, like, having signed the contracts and everything and told all of his friends about this big break part of his and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, you had pitched this as a form of like extremely low stakes true crime <laughs> podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh and after listening to what I have so far, this is definitely like much more my style, I think, than like a lot of other true crime podcasts. Because there's no crime. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, because like we've talked before, like I usually aim for lighter material in the media that I consume. Mm-hmm. So having something like this and that there's like still some sense of a mystery to be solved. But also about something so relatively trivial. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good hit for me. Uh, but, you know, obviously I think the podcast is a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the actual mystery is concerned, um, hearing Connor talk to other like actors and casting directors and people in the industry, it feels like a few things are clear, which is that the... Info should never have made it to him that Tom Hanks supposedly thought he had dead eyes. And also, it it felt like the mystery really is, like, solved in the Mm. sense that there isn't, like, some grand conspiracy or cover-up or anything at play. It's it's likely that, like they said, that, like, Tom Hanks just wasn't feeling it and... Or, like, Connor wasn't what he pictured for the role for whatever reason or... Maybe he just needed to have some sort of show of power. Who knows? But it's like nothing. It's not going to be like something big as far as I can tell. That is like the reason he was cut. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, they're doing this podcast in 2020 is when the first season came out. Uh Um, Band of Brothers came out in 2001. So this is 20 years later. <laughs> um, the So, like, yeah, there's not, I you know, I, I think it would be, it's hard because I, the podcast does take, take some twists and turns that you've not experienced. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I think the, the, the gist is that, like, if you're a casting director or a director, you're looking at so many audition tapes, and when the person's not in the room, of course you're just, like, saying things like, that person's face isn't right, or, like, that per Yeah. You, know, it's, you have a picture of a character in your mind, and you see actors, and you're evaluating two things. One is their acting ability, and two is just, like, how much their vibe vibes with what 
you have in your head. And I think it's way more often the second thing that determines casting decisions than the first. And so, like, yeah. you try to find words to describe vibe not matching. And so, like, whether the f- the exact phrase dead eyes was said or not, it's it, it I when I listened to it, I was like, it so sounds like a, a slightly more extreme thing. Someone went to it in an argument of, like, uh, it doesn't have the right look. And then someone would be like, no, like, I really think we should cast him. And then another person would be like, no, he has dead eyes. Like, we can't. <laughs> like, you know, it's like uh, the exas. You can hear, like, an exasperated tone of a director in the phrase. Um, so it's... Yeah, just like someone really trying to push their point across that, like, no, I don't want him. And I'm just going to give you a reason, even if it, like, doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Just to, like, try to press the issue. Yeah, because ultimately, it's not really a mean thing to say if it doesn't matter and the person never hears it. The mistake is um, (laughs) is, uh, the person hearing it and it traumatizing them forever. For, yeah, 20 years, long enough for them to come back and, you know, clearly, like, have, are in a better space than they were 20 years prior, but... uh, you know, hung up on it enough that they make a podcast about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but like, uh, Adam Conover was one of his guests and he had mentioned, uh, that it's likely that no one else involved really ever thought about that moment again. (laughs) Uh Um, And, uh, I think that plays into that whole low stakes nature of all this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I think of true crime podcasts, uh, I think of like murder, serial killers, quote unquote, big crimes, mm-hmm. which like impact often like a lot of people. Whereas this is something that really affected like one single individual. Yeah, um, I, I think part of the stakes, too, are that Connor Ratliff is generally a successful actor. Like, yeah, he's gone on to be in like award winning shows like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and like mm-hmm. a, a bunch of other shows. He was in Search Party. Um, like he's done stuff. He's had like bit roles in movies and stuff like that. He's not like a big star, but he has he went back to acting and like is had enough success to be considered like an actor. Um and then made the podcast. I think that adds to the low stakes. If this was yeah. like a guy who was traumatized, never acted again, and then made this podcast, I think yes. the stakes would. I think it would feel way more tense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting. Like you know, he's not someone I had heard of before. Yeah. Um. But everyone he interviews, for the most part, is, which I found interesting. Hmm. <laughs> He has a lot of famous friends, but because well, he was big in improv, and so like, yeah, a lot of the improv people, like like Darcy Carden and Ben Schwartz and stuff like that, have like become big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that the low stakes nature of it though, like, diminishes any of the value of the podcast itself. Like, mm-hmm. if anything, I think it, I think it makes it much more personal and relatable. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, like not everyone can identify with someone you know uh, being put in prison for a crime they didn't commit or something like that that you might listen to on like an, a different true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, 
you know, I think everyone can identify with like rejection of some kind, whether it's like you didn't get into a school or a program you thought you were a shoe in for, or yeah. you were turned down for a job that you thought you were an excellent candidate for something like that. Like everyone experiences that rejection at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I, no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and I think that's what this like really boils down to. Um, then it makes for an interesting show because it's not a topic that like a lot of people like talk about often. I don't think because it's you know can be like embarrassing or hard to talk about, but you know it's a real thing that like everyone goes through at some point. Yeah, and I think specifically, so like the the format of the show transitions more into him kind of like interviewing it sort of bounces back and forth between like his investigation of <laughs> of the dead eyes trying to figure out if that was ever mm-hmm. actually said why he was actually fired etc cetera, etc cetera. um versus just sort of him interviewing actors about like failure and things like that and specifically i think the thing the podcast tries to dig into is like what's funny about failure like the core idea of like getting a job that's supposed to be your big break you the director who's like a hero of yours seeing you and not liking how your face looks and firing <laughs> you it right it's it's so traumatic and tragic but you also just laughed when i said it like it yeah. is funny and like yeah. there's something funny about failure um there's a um, comedian that we both like who's come up on the podcast before um, named James Acaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm spoiling a bit from one of his specials a little bit here. Um, but, and this is real, his longtime girlfriend left him for Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Uh, she was in a play with Rowan Atkinson and left him for Mr. Bean. And he has a long bit about she left me for Mr. Bean. Like, I I have to talk about this because it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. Like, my girlfriend left me for Mr. Bean. <laughs> it, like, it's funny. And there's something funny about failure. And every single one of these stories these actors tell when they come on the podcast and talk about, like, yeah, I had this audition that was heartbreaking and horrible, or, like, I did this, whatever. There's always sort of an air of, like, humor to it, and I think, like, digging into the, like, gallows humor of personal and professional failure like that, I think is really fun to listen to. Yeah, and I think I think the guests and interviews are what, so far, has, like, really made the podcast for me more than, like, the investigation yeah. parts. Um you know, I was constantly surprised by the people he had on for interviews um, and, like, where their discussions went. So, like, one of them was uh, John Hamm, who played Don Draper on Mad Men. Um, and he, in his interview with him, he had talked about how, I think John was told, um, or that a casting director had told his agent to stop sending John in for auditions because he would never be a TV star. <laughs> yeah. And then he ends up being Don Draper on Mad Men in this like huge role in a huge TV show. Um, just like the irony of that or like Amy Mann, he had talked with 
whose recording company had told her they weren't going to release her third album because it wasn't single worthy or something like that. But then right around that same time, she was like nominated for Academy Awards and Grammys for her songs, I think, on Magnolia. And like she released her album instead under her own label. And it did, I think, better than either of her other albums did with the old label. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like on the one hand, like hearing them talk about their encounters with like failure and rejection made for a good listen. But also, yeah, like the irony in them having those same stories of failure and rejection that ultimately were like worked out way fine for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is interesting and just all the different people that he talked to that I listened to kind of had somewhat similar things that they had in their lives. Yeah. I think it's fun to hear cause they're all, they're all like artists in one way. Like they're all like actors or comedians or musicians or whatever is mostly who he's talking to. At least that's who he's talking to, who's not a part of the investigation. Um, Yeah. And, like, fundamentally, at the end of the day, the thing they're all doing is, like, art, which is subjective. Like, I can look at someone and say they're a bad actor or, like, a bad fit for a role. Um, But it, it is always subjective. But it's the job of, like, a director or a producer or a casting director to, like make a decision on an objective thing. So mm-hmm. like, or uh, make an objective decision about a sub an inherently subjective thing. And so like, it's always, so there's never really a satisfying answer for why you fail in that business. As opposed yeah. to like, you know, you're doing like coding, your program doesn't work. It's like a fail that you can fix. Whereas like, if I'm acting and I audition and I don't get it, it's not necessarily like an objective thing I can do better. It's just like, you know, maybe there are things you can do better, but also maybe your face is wrong. And like, so the (laughs) the like inherent uncertainty in that is interesting. Yeah. It could be like any number of things that like could have been wrong Mm -hmm. that lives or even just, you know, the person just wasn't feeling it that day. And there was no like specific reason as to why they just didn't feel it. And, and that's it. And you didn't get it. Yeah. Um, one one th- tidbit that I thought was interesting, speaking of those like casting decisions, was uh, I think the last bit I listened to was with Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- th- he had made a comment that he was pretty sure that he had only ever gotten, I think it was two roles that he auditioned for. And every other role he's played has been like something he's like written for himself. And mm-hmm. stuff like that, because cast the, because the casting process is like as terrible as it is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that like um, love him or hate him that Lin Manuel Miranda has talked about a lot. Of like, he was like, I didn't want to be a playwright, but I wanted to be in plays, and people look at me and they think you are don't belong on Broadway. So like, I had to write it to be in it, and yeah. like, there's something. Uh, depressing about that, but also something sort of, it goes to show that it is just like a subjective thing. Very much so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's a great concept for these episodes, and I think, you know, like I said, I think I like that better than anything else in this podcast, and that's what kept me interested the whole time, was just hearing all these different people talk about you know, 
not the same experiences, but like they had somewhat similar experiences of the same sorts of thing. Just like showing that even these people who you think are huge names in the industry that could go get any role they wanted, like they still all have a hard time with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I found that really, I found that really interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't have a ton of notes beyond that, like format wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I like as far as the investigation type of stuff goes, I, I like that it felt like I was getting like learning the little bits and pieces at the same time as Connor was mm-hmm. like, that's just kind of the way it felt like he chatted with Adam Sims, who is the person who ended up getting his role in band of brothers. Um, and like Connor learning about in that interview, uh, like the way that that day went for the other people who were up for the role when he ultimately was fired from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just the, the nature of the interviews that they're doing. Um, I really liked how they were interviewing Connor like just as much as he was interviewing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that interesting. I liked that, that they were like asking him questions about his experience and everything like that too. Yeah. Um, it, it becomes, it's sort of like half interviewing the person and a half, like a group therapy session yes. for Connor a little uh-huh. bit. Um, and I, th- I think my favorite episodes are the ones where, the guests like really lean into that. And it, it really is more like an interview of Connor than uh-huh. otherwise. Yeah. That, yeah. Like at some points it almost felt like a therapy session for Connor. <laughs> like, even though it seemed, it felt like he has, you know, worked through like most of this stuff um, and is in a place where he's fine. Like them asking him questions about like, how he handles failure now or not getting a role and him talking about that. Like, I found that just as interesting as him asking any of these other people questions about it to like get more insight into his story. Mm -hmm. I think it goes, it gets more meta as you listen, because the thing that starts to happen is like the people he has on his show have heard of the podcast. Like once you get past the first season, um, the show went kind of viral roughly around the time that you are listening to it. Um, and so around season two, I, the first episode, there's kind of a prologue of season two <laughs> where he interviews slash is interviewed by Ira Glass, huh. um, the creator of American okay. Life. And Ira Glass is basically like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, what is the, <laughs> what is the, what do you want out of this podcast? Cause you're not, whatever you want, like, you're not going to get it. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> So it's very, it, it goes further into people being like, wow, so you've done 25 episodes of this. Like, what's the plan? Like, what are you, are you it's, trying to? I know that this podcast has a goal, but it, this podcast in vibe reminds me of the McElroy brothers will be on Trolls 2. Yeah. I had the exact same thought when I was listening to this last <laughs> I guess, night. I was like, "I'm sorry, it's now like called it feels- the Malcolm Rye Brothers will be in Trolls World Tour." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it because it's the way that it's like trying to get closer and closer to someone who's actually associated with Trolls Two slash 
Band of Brothers slash Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I had I had made that exact note yesterday because I was like, this really feels like that is like the inevitable goal. Whereas instead of like the McElroy brothers will be in Trolls World Tour, it is instead Connor Ratliff will be in a movie or potentially just an audition for Tom Hanks <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Not not as catchy of a title. Not that the McElroy one is a particularly catchy one, but. Mm-hmm. Uh. Not quite. <laughs> and it's I, the thing that I like about the arc of the podcast is that he will get closer and further away from that goal of like, <laughs> he will have an episode where like, he talks to the lead, like the season two finale, he talks to the, the band of brothers lead writer and supervising producer um, who like is friend, you know, was like the person working with Tom Hanks most directly on the show and like yeah. about his episode in detail and then like kind of hits a dead end and then at one point <laughs> from there he talks about all of the different people who played Colonel Sanders in the KFC <laughs> uh stuff which as an aside is in season 3 and is one of my favorite episodes oh, and yeah, has the least really to do with the mystery uh, Connor Ratliff almost cast as one of the Colonel Sanders and was not. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, I think like that, that sort of chase of the like up and down nature of like trying to get to a goal that isn't clear of what it even is at the beginning of the podcast. Um, yeah, I think, I think the thing you said at the beginning of like, it's lighthearted. The, the truth is it's mostly an interview show. It's mostly not a true crime it's mostly like interviewing actors and and stuff like that but the sort of like bits of that that pop in i think they they do that balance pretty well yeah well and i think you know it was interesting that um even in the first season there was a little bit of that that you were talking about that starts at the beginning of season two that like he had Bobby Moynihan on one of his episodes yeah. where they had talked about how Bobby Moynihan was supposed to be in Neighbors, I think, something like that. And then he got reached out to before the end of the first season by Seth Rogen, who produced Neighbors. Mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about that episode that I listened to because there were some things that aren't quite correct in it and I wanted to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even within the first season, he was already getting some of that, like people talking to him on his podcast about the podcast because they listened to it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that is sort of what it transitions into is like less of a, less therapy session about what happened and more a therapy session of like, what, is, why are you doing this? Or like, what, <laughs> like, what is, uh. What is happening with this podcast? Right. And eventually it's sort of like, why are people listening to this? Like, what is the, <laughs> what is going on? Um, and it, it goes on a pretty fun journey. Well, and I think, you know, I think Connor himself seems like he's a very entertaining person to begin with. So like that, that alone gives you a reason to listen to the podcast, whether it's actually going anywhere or not. Like, you know, the way he formats his different episodes Uh, with like different kind of themes and things like that Mm. um i think it's just an an interesting lesson regardless of whether it really has a point or not and there's plenty of podcasts out there that are big name podcasts that don't really have a point oh they just they just they're there 
to listen to and that's that's why they exist and they don't have like a a true concrete premise yeah fundamentally so this podcast is on headgum which is a podcast network that was started by uh amir blumenfeld and jake herwitz of college humor and when they started the network the like their like mission statement was the best podcasts are where you just put funny people behind a microphone and like let them talk about whatever they want to talk about um (laughs) and it doesn't the format doesn't matter like if you're entertaining and charismatic and funny it'll be fine and i think the thing that's fun about this is the format is very unique um (laughs) and also like connor's good at this like he's a very good podcast host like he's he's funny but isn't um you know, the, like, star of all of the episodes feels like the guest. Like, my biggest pet peeve with podcasts that are built on guest appearances is so often it feels like you bring a guest on and the guest is the person who, like, talks the least. It's all the hosts sort of talking to each other and then the guest chimes in occasionally and it just, like, the chemistry's off. And I think, like, he manages... It's a podcast so deeply about him, but when the guests are on the podcast, they feel like the star of the show in a way that I... Even, like, other interview shows, I don't necessarily feel like. Like, I used to listen to You Made It Weird all the time with Pete Holmes, and he would interview different comedians and things like that. That was more like a straight interview show, and it... It always basically felt like it was about Pete. And this is a show specifically about Connor, and it doesn't really actually feel like it's about Connor much. It feels like it's about this funny event that happens to have happened to him and the journey of the podcast and the guests rather than like, I don't know. It's this weird line of it both feels like a therapy session, but it doesn't feel <laughs> like self-indulgent in a way that I think it could feel really like weird and opportunistic and self-indulgent, but it just doesn't. I think it hits the right tone. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it felt like that at all. That yeah, there's like intro bits where he will, you know, talk more about like himself or the investigation and stuff like that that make it feel more focused on him, but yeah, once once you're into like an interview, it's very much like almost entirely about the other person and like with with kind of the spotlight on them more than anything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think that works out well. The the headgum podcast. So the other one that's reminds me a little of this is like just get funny people in a room is Hey Riddle Riddle, which we have all talked mm-hmm. about liking before. Um, yeah. But I feel like the like thing this reminds me of this is maybe a weird place to take this but i'm doing it anyway um is my favorite new girl quote is when they're talking about true american and they call it <laughs> it's 90 percent drinking game with a loose candy land structure <laughs> um and i think the best podcasts are a bunch of people in the room with a loose premise structure yeah. so for hey riddle riddle it's there's the riddle premise is just there as a backdrop for them to do zany improv. And on this yeah. podcast, it's there's a loose band of brothers connection for either why the guest is on there or what they're talking about sometimes. But more or less, it's just an excuse to give it a little bit of a structure. It's got a loose, uh, a loose 
Band of Brothers structure, but it's mostly uh, it's mostly an interview show. Yeah, yeah. I think season three it takes that more to the extreme, where it really does like an every other episode thing, where like an episode will be kind of focused on like dead eyes. Like there will be they have a whole episode about the true meaning of dead eyes, where he has a Nikki Glazer. A comedian who is he introduces as his quote unquote meanest friend um, <laughs> to tell him honestly whether he has dead eyes or not, um, <laughs> and then goes on a journey to try to figure out what dead eyes really means. He visits a Warby Parker to see if the optometrist will tell him if he has dead eyes. Um, <laughs> like it's a full investigation, and then the one before that is the Colonel one, which has literally nothing to do with Tom Hanks. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> So, like, it, it does sort of, like, bounce back and forth, but the full time, you know, it's it's really just an excuse to have, like, fun, goofy conversations with funny people. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the only other thing I wanted to hit on is not really about the podcast itself and more just um, a, a, a note about. So you had mentioned that this podcast takes place in 2020 mm-hmm. and uh, they one of the last episodes I listened to was when the COVID-19 pandemic started. Yeah. And I just I think it's a really interesting thing that like as we get further and further away from that point in history, like not not the pandemic itself, since we're that's still like an active kind of ongoing thing. Yeah. But like just these, that like starting unknown point. Yeah. That like media kind of serves as a really interesting time capsule, Mm -hmm. like hearing people's thoughts around that time, like him recording about how they had to stop the tour he was on and how he had to rush to his parents' house and stuff Mm -hmm. before lockdowns fully kicked in. And like with everything truly up in the air and no one then knowing how things would shake out at all in the future. Like, I don't know. I think listening to things that were produced around that time will always be like a strange, interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. That is especially this one, because that one you're right. Like he lost, you know, his tour was canceled and like lost a job fundamentally like during well, this podcast. <laughs> And he had joked about it at the end of the previous episode, like, I'll be gone for a few weeks, but if I get fired from this job, like, I'll be back sooner. And then it opens the next episode with, like, well, it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Um, it is really interesting. And he did, like, um, you know, I'm looking at the episode dates. Originally, they were coming out every two weeks or every week, kind of alternating and so he came out with episode seven on March 12th of 2020. Mm-hmm. So like right before. And then he comes out with episode eight on April 9th. That's the one where he had lost the job by then and yep. had moved back with his parents. The next episode still in season one didn't come out until June 25th. So like <laughs> there's two months. Honestly, I think of him mostly just sort of like being depressed at his parents' house in lockdown in that yeah. like weird, you know, March, April, May, June time of 2020. Um, but yeah, I think you're, t- I had sort of forgotten about that, but that is, um, it, it does become sort of a central plot point of that first season. 
Yeah, because I mean, he he talks about it's interesting that there's that big gap. I hadn't looked at that because um, mm-hmm. he talks about in that episode. Um, I don't remember who he was interviewing, but he had mentioned uh, that he had other friends in the improv community and stuff like wanting to do virtual improv sessions and different stuff like that. And him just like not feeling in a creative space at all with everything that's been going on. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I think is, uh, it's, it's interesting to listen to in retrospect now in 2022. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting. Cause my, my favorite headgum podcast, um, came out of that period of time. This is probably not something I will ever pitch on the... I don't know. Maybe I'll pitch it, so I won't talk about it too much. There's a podcast called The HeadGum Podcast that started in April of 2020 that was just them being like, what if we just, like, we want to do, like, weekly Zoom happy hours. What if we just, like, record them and, like, put it out (laughs) as a podcast with just, like, the staff of HeadGum? Yeah. Um... And it's turned into a different thing that I won't really talk about because it uh, has gone so far off the rails, it's hard to describe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but the media that, that did, like, come out, especially, like, podcasts, right? Because, like, TV shows and movies have such a long production time and, like, aren't about the thing. But podcasts are so much, like, the people doing it in real time. Um yeah, I'm like thinking back to the episodes of the podcast I listened to that came out in that time. They all are like, they take a specific sort of eerie, surreal tone that I bet would be weird to listen to now, like a couple years later. Yeah, I mean, like even even fantasy podcasts, like I one of my favorite ones is called Hello from the Magic Tavern, and they they did a whole story shift in their podcast that like kind of went parallel with like lockdown and the pandemic and stuff like that. But like in the fantasy world that the podcast was about. Yeah. Um, that like, you know, listening in the future, you may not even realize that cause it's not like they ever mentioned the pandemic in their podcast. But mm-hmm. if you know the timing of those episodes, like you can work it back to figure it out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting for sure. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's all I really had for notes on this one. Yeah, it's a it's a straightforward show. It is mm-hmm. like I said. I, that's why I was like, you don't really need to listen to definitely not the whole thing. And ultimately, if you listen to the first chunk of episodes, you'll get you'll get the gist. Again, it, there are arcs within the arcs and things like that. But um, yeah, you 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 have a pretty good picture. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, if you had to give Dead Eyes a yaw or a nah, what would you give it? Uh, it's definitely a yaw. Um, I really enjoyed listening to it, and part of the reason I didn't feel like I needed to finish it is because I I liked it well enough that I know I will finish it. Yeah, I will listen to the rest of it. So I was like, I I know enough at this point that I would like, barring some crazy twist in the last two episodes of season one that I hated, which I. <laughs> <laughs> didn't see happening uh i i think i liked it well enough that i would continue listening to it and finish the because it's only like three seasons i've listened to much longer podcasts than that so mm-hmm. yeah nice yeah i think you will i think you'll enjoy it again there are like 
many arcs between. I think when I pitched it, I mentioned like I liked season two less than season one or three. Um, mm-hmm. But like there are great episodes even within season two. He interviews Mike Birbiglia and, and Ira Glass. That's a good one. He interviews a number of people who uh, were cut from or replaced Connor in Avengers movies um, <laughs> because Tom Hanks also has not acted in an Avengers movie. That's the mm, connection there. That's yeah, why. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so yes, there's, there's some good, there's some good nuggets. And I think the, Sort of ironically, the like more they don't focus on the story and do the weirder stuff, the closer he gets to a not very clear goal goal. Um, and that arc of like maybe actually getting closer to question mark is also very fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of it, and I think it was a, uh, a good pick. Nice. Glad you liked it. You'll have to report back after you, uh, after you get caught up. Will do. Awesome. Cozy. Middle segment time. Okay. <laughs> Last time I hosted, I we had a disagreement because I didn't say... <laughs> take it away and i'm tr- i don't i think i have too many catchphrases and so i'm trying <laughs> new ways to throw it to you if i don't have good transitions maybe i can have the best middle segment intro so thoughts so on da 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 cozy <laughs> it was i feel like so, there there needs to be something after my name if you're gonna say it like that is all <laughs> okay all right here let me take uh, let me take it again da 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 cozy wow I think you must have just like spiked your audio because Discord fully sure. silenced you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not ideal. Okay, uh, but I will shame. take it away. Thank you for the uh, many intros. Mm-hmm. It is time for everyone's favorite middle segment, Hard Sell Spinoffs. Great. Mm. I love this one. I know, as does everyone. Okay, so... For those who are new or as a refresher for uh, you guys, uh, the I Will Pitch You spinoff ideas for our podcast, we remain the hosts of them unless stated otherwise, and you rate them one to five stars viability as a spinoff podcast, or however you feel like writing them. There's not really. Sure. Okay, great. It's about about viability of spinoff podcast. Yes. It's not about how much we like it. Correct. Okay. I mean, (laughs) star it with your heart. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. So the first one is called Hard Sell the Pitch. Uh, The premise of this podcast is uh, Tim tries to get Cody and I interested in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you said the pitch, and I was assuming like, like soccer. Oh. That sort oh, of pitch. I guess that could work too. It could be either. It could be both. <laughs> so either, either or that, both. Well, sports. more than anything, that felt more Tim than uh, true. Yeah, than like that. That would be something that he could rant I about could every episode for an hour on a soccer podcast with Tim. <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I already. That is the only like the thing you talk most about 
already wow. i don't need to be on a podcast also about it unbelievable well then just use the podcast as an excuse to contain his thoughts to Won't the podcast work, i don't think yeah, and then doubtful. just earplugs the rest of the time have you met me <laughs> i don't uh, I yes can't, i've lived with you yeah i don't <laughs> stop ranting about something i just sort of keep saying the same thing with different words over again so i think from me 10 out of 10 from i think (laughs) it's a five star uh, rating system (laughs) (laughs) i thought we were supposed to rate with our heart i'm sorry (laughs) my heart said 10 out of 10 so i'm sticking with 10 out of 10 you can suck great uh huh is this okay it viability as far as like would i want to be on the (laughs) podcast that might be closer to like a two or three out of star (laughs) Okay. But listen to the podcast uh, could be a four out of five. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's hard right. to say. I think if the person, the other person is a two out of five, I don't know that that would be a super listenable <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it, would, it would have to depend on how aggressive Tim's rants get, but Ooh, uh, it can get, a, I mean, <laughs> you know, when people think of like aggression and sports fan, I think they picture something different from my aggression. Um, that's fair. That's true. So I don't, they don't get aggressive in like uh, a like uh, alcoholic dad f- punching a hole in a wall way, but like aggressive like in a, a like passionate anxiety way. Yeah, anxiety. <laughs> a lot of anxiety. So, which is kind of the podcast vibe. So that could work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next uh, spinoff idea: hard sell the pitcher. Uh, this is where you guys try to get me to like beer. Wow. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Mm, I don't think... I feel like this would work as like a mini-series podcast. We could have like one episode focused on like different... We could just do one podcast like at different breweries. Like per like each episode we're at a different brewery trying their different beers and uh, trying to convince you about the different <laughs> notes you should be finding in each beer. Sure, Not that sure. that's something I'm even capable of usually picking out, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I might also I can fake it for a podcast. Because to me, every beer tastes the same. Like, or every, like, type of beer. Like, every lager tastes the same. Every IPA tastes the same. I can tell the difference between the, the types, but, like, I don't really care. Um, I don't drink beer enough to do, like, a weekly podcast like i don't drink weekly really so like <laughs> yeah i don't um, either but like a mini like a once a month bonus episode this may need to be a like oh. occasional bonus episode we sure. could come out with mm-hmm. that could be sort of fun it's one of so our patreon that version, um <laughs> there you go <laughs> one of our what are they called milestones or whatever. yeah something like that i'm pretty sure that's kickstarter but either way <laughs> i think the um yeah that I think um, six out of seven, and I think the weekly version is like two out of seven. All right. Yeah, I think the bonus episode one. Uh, if I can, if it, if we can expand slightly beyond beers and add in some other stuff like scotches too, then Ugh. it'll be like a, a six out of six for me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
I can convince you both to drink a campfire Actually, when you're here. Uh, <laughs> a scotch, scotch brings it up from six of seven to seven of seven, because I think we will have stronger reactions that will be funnier <laughs> on a podcast. Like beer. Okay, but the name is the pitcher, and scotch. You can like drink scotch pitcher. out of a pitcher. We can go hard, Cozy. <laughs> If I if I buy you cheap enough scotch <laughs> or a small enough pitcher, hey, very true. You get one of those like little tiny fish, the like little fish shaped ones that there like make the glug glug sound mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you pour them. What does this a, a pitcher for? That's the vibe for scotch for sure. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Perfect. Okay, next spinoff idea: hard sell, high pitched. Uh, this is where we actually get into horror, uh, horror movies. <laughs> Slash the zero. horror TV. Ten out of ten. <laughs> ten out of zero. ten. Zero. I'm on board. I think this would be funny as hell. Like I know. I actually think this would be very fun to like stream on Twitch. Yeah. yeah. Like, or do like a some sort of YouTube like horror watch along. I have a horror game in mind. I'm gonna pitch to Cody at some point. Um, and it's gonna be good. I'm fully on board. <laughs> like I, if if you both were like we should do this, I would be like we should do this cuz it's very I think, funny. I've been I want think to if see we did Cody. this <laughs> I think if we did this in person like all three of us together, okay. It would be higher for me, but if this was sure. like you guys together and me at home <laughs> watching it whatever it is by myself, <laughs> hard hard pass for me. Uh, uh, that's oh, fair. That's fair. Uh, I feel like scary movies are scarier. You oh. want to get into horror. You like kind of horror shows a little bit, though. Yeah. You don't like, like when I I'm scare like you while you're watching I'm curious about the genre enough, but, like, I don't like all of them enough to, like, want to. Like, I didn't really like, like, American Horror Story. And, like, there's enough that are bad that I just, like, it's a lot of time investment. But I'd do it for a podcast. Hmm. Yeah, I would for sure do this. Interesting. Cody? You said zero out of ten initially. <laughs> if it's if if I'm doing this by myself, if if the three of us together, I'll bump it up to like a two or a three out of five. <laughs> still, still not a great. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, next spinoff idea is hard sell pitch perfect. Uh, this one is Pass. instead of each person pitching <laughs> an idea, and then the other one has to do it. These pitches are high stakes, and that your pitch has to convince the other person to consume the thing. Oh, so like we actually have to give a pitch. Yeah. Um, this is, I think. For Where did me, you think it was going? I, um, <laughs> my immediate mind was like, if the person gnaws it, the person who pitched it gets kicked off the podcast and replaced <laughs> with a new host. Like, if you ever pitch something that gets nod, you you are eliminated. I would have been eliminated long ago. Yeah. What did I nod? Did I nod something? I probably did. Uh, of some of my music albums. I did. Night. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, uh, I don't think this is that high for me because we're pretty willing to try. Like, I like trying stuff. So, sure. like, so rarely am I going to be like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. I can, mm-hmm. I think I'd have to go back through the list, but there's probably not that many things that have been pitched to me where I would have been like, mm, try again. Right, um, maybe I'll pitch you on reading Fifty Shades of Grey. I've see. read Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> oh, so of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'll pitch you on reading Fifty Shades oh, of Grey. Oh, no. Um, but yes. Uh, so this one is, <laughs> this one is a one out of four for me. 
My right. my only question is, uh, before I give a verdict, what happens if uh, the person does not agree to consume the media? Like, you have does, to come up do with they have to pitch. pitch a new thing? Yeah, you so have they to just like, have to like, keep pitching stuff until they like accept something. <laughs> so one episode could be like three hours long of me just continuously failing pitches for Tim. <laughs> yeah, that's the platformer episode, actually. Yeah. Oh, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> Now, Tim, this one's not quite as hard pass, as Shovel Knight, pass, but pass. Uh, yeah, I'll say like a two out of five. I All think. All right. Okay, so that one's kind of a fail. Uh, flop yeah, we we flopped idea. that one. All right. Hard sell, fast pitch. This is rapid fire recommendations of short uh, media, like TikToks or tweets or like sketches or YouTube videos. Ooh, I like this one. Is this where you like we would watch it on the podcast and immediate react? Yeah, I think so. That's fine. It's fun. I feel like this would work better on like Twitch. Exactly. Like if yeah. we streamed this on there so that like we should stream when we this. pitch like something, <laughs> we like throw it out, we like switch to it on the screen and yeah. people can watch it along with us and uh-huh. then we cut back to us and talk about it or whatever. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I like this idea. Immediately when you said it, I always imagine a different thing when you say it than what the pitch is. When you said hard sell fast pitch, I imagined we all have to get in like a batting cage and <laughs> learn or, to or, hit a baseball. Or join a softball league. Yeah, yeah. Um, either of those ideas, I give a 7 out of 10. Pretty good. Not as good as the um, the one where I torment you with my rants about Arsenal, but... Um, <laughs> Still pretty good. Pretty, I could see this working. Okay. I'll say like a six out of eight. All right. Sure. <laughs> the most helpful. <laughs> okay. My final spinoff idea. Hard sell, wild pitch. Mm. Premise. Oops. All middle segments. <laughs> I mean, I think we should uh, like unironically do this. Like at some point, um, one of us, when one of us has a really long thing to pitch, we should do an oops all all middle segment episode. Sure, that does add a lot of work for cozy, but yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay, I'm, yeah, well. no, that's that's fine by me too. <laughs> this is yeah, ten out of ten. Oh my god, ten out of ten. I think we just transition <laughs> to this. Um, it's, the podcast becomes hard sell wild pitch. Oops, all cozy is work, <laughs> and that works. I'll just create a soundboard for myself to like plug in my replies and hmm. yeah. <laughs> then Cozy really just has to do all the work. Six out of eight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. Awesome. Nice. All right, for our final segment, uh, Cody, I'll turn it over to you for our hard sell of this week. Sounds good. Uh, Tim, how do you feel about like puzzle games or puzzles in games that you have to solve? I feel negatively towards yeah? them. I am the first person to look up a guide, which is the, the thing that... So this is why I loved Outer Wilds, that I think I mentioned in our Outer Wilds cast. Um, because I like I it's the first and only game I've played where I liked the puzzles. So... Um, in that sense, my favorite game of all time, some people have described as a puzzle game. In, yeah. a, in a much more broad sense, I've never once liked any other puzzle game. 
And in <laughs> most games that, like Zelda games, oh, I'm so fast. I'm so fast to look up the solution of a puzzle. I have absolutely <laughs> no patience. Well, I'm hoping that uh, I have one that you'll like a bit more. Sure. It's another... It, I think it's a classic like puzzle 3D platformer sort of game. Mm-hmm. Like in the same sense of like Outer Wilds navigating a 3D space, solving puzzles and whatnot. But it, mm-hmm. I was scrolling through your Steam library and I was surprised that I didn't find this in there. There's okay. still a chance that you've played it, but sure. uh, I'm going to take a shot and I'm going to pitch you the 2007 video game from Valve called Portal. Um, I've not, I've played little tiny baby pieces of it, but I've not played the game. All right, great. Uh, if you had, I was just going to pitch you Portal 2. So, you know, <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've played little <laughs> tiny pieces of it while Kyle has played them. I've like sort of been around or like tried a thing, but I've not played either of them meaningfully. Okay, great. Um, then yeah, my pitch for you this week is Portal. Um, you control Shell. And the idea is that you have a portal gun that can create like two sides of a wormhole on different walls, and you can travel between the two holes in either direction. It has like interesting physics that allow you to build up energy and like launch yourself around through the portals as you move through different like test chambers to solve whatever the puzzle is to get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts very easy, and I think has a very a very well thought out like ramp up of difficulty that I don't think you'll have to look up like any solutions for. I don't think any of them are like incredibly difficult, Mm. but there are some that like, as you get closer to the end, like they might take you a minute to figure it out, but it feels good when you figured it out. It's not, there's nothing, you know, some of the puzzles like we had talked about in outer wilds are a bit more, abstract in how you have to figure them out. I don't think there's really anything like that in these games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, given that you've never really played through either of the portal games, I'm interested to see how this holds up for you now that it's like 15 years after it was released. Yeah. I'm excited for this. Cause I do so many people love these games. Like mm-hmm. the portal games appear on a lot of people's like all time list. Yep. Um, and I think I am more receptive to puzzle and puzzle games now than I was like when these came out and when I like played part of a level and was like, this is for sure not for me. <laughs> um, so like, I'm curious to give this another shot. What about it? Do you, why do people love these games? Like, why do you think I will like this more aside from it not being that hard? Um, like what? What is it that sets these apart, and why do they constantly appear at the top of like best puzzle game of all time lists? I think because of how partially because of how well done the ramp up in difficulty is, mm. and like that it there's never a point that it feels like impossible. Like they're hard enough that you feel really good about having solved some of the more difficult puzzles, and they're laid out in interesting ways. And back then like this whole mechanic of traveling through portals to solve these puzzles was like a whole novel thing. Yeah. Um, you know, this, uh, as an aside, this was one of the games that actually made me originally want to go to school for game design. Mm. Um, I had done like 
little games in a program called Game Maker before. Um, but I had seen there was a school I had looked at um, when I was like getting into high school called DigiPen Institute of Technology, which is well known as a uh, like video game design college. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a development team or a, a, a student team there that developed a game. I think it was called like Narbacular Drop. Not a <laughs> not a pleasing name. No, awful uh, mouthfeel. But it used, yeah. <laughs> but it used like similar mechanics, and that whole student team was hired by Valve to come make Portal for them, based mm-hmm. on how good their like student program game was. Mm-hmm. Strong uh, Outer Wilds vibe there. Exactly. Yes, uh, and I think. Um, you know, just the, the presentation of the game, the like clean atmosphere that you're in for much of the game, um, like basically as a prisoner being forced to go through these test chambers, mm-hmm. um, and just some of the different places that the game goes as a part of it. Um, and the like story that goes along with it, the, the commentary from the, like kind of evil in some senses AI that's talking to you the entire time you're going through these. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's just all very well done. It's it's the first portal game is pretty short too. portal two is a bit longer. Um, but the first one, I don't know, four or five hours, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. It's just a very like concise game that gets, it does everything it aims to do, and I think it does it extremely well. Nice. I'm psyched. Is, do you have a recommended platform for this to be played on, or does it not really matter? Um, I think I've only ever played it on PC. Um, I don't really have a strong preference one way or another. I don't think there's any reason you couldn't play it on any console. I think they put it like on Switch and... I know it was originally on like 360 at the same time. They had mm-hmm. like their orange box bundle that had like Portal and Half Life and all those games on it. Mm. So. Interesting. Well, cool. I'm I'm psyched to check it out. I uh, truly have an open mind about this because again, I this is it's not like technically on my to play list, but it's often like hovered in the back of my mind of like. You know, like you said, it's like four hours long. It just feels like a game I should have played, but I've been too scared because it's a puzzle game. Um, But now (laughs) I have to play it. So that's that was the kick in the pants I I needed. Well, there we go. Perfect. Cool. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hard Sell. As a reminder, uh, follow us on Twitter at Hard Sell Show. Send us an email. Give us your thoughts on the various media we talked about, Dead Eyes, um, any of the, tell us which of your uh, Hard Sell spinoffs was your favorite at hardsellshow at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitch at Hard Sell Show. I mean, we're not often there, but we have a channel there. We may stream at some point, so catch us there. Make sure to give us a follow. Um, rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. We'll be back two weeks from today with my review of Portal and my next pitch for Cody. And until then, we will catch you on the flippity flop. Catch you on the flippity flop. Mm-hmm.